Well, good day, everybody. Here we are, Ecclesia, the Prevo podcast. Uh, I'm James. I'm Kyle. I'm Richard. And this is Larry. This is number eight. Wow. Man, we're cool. Eight <laughs> podcasts. We've done eight of these. That's, in, that's incredible. So today we have a precarious situation ahead of us. We have gone over the four principles, and now, that well, that's all there is. So the question <laughs> remains... What are we going to dissect today? And we've all kind of landed on, we're going to take a closer look at Abraham. And so uh, Larry is going to kind of bring some of, some of the interesting elements to uh, where, where Abraham is, and then we'll all chime in together. Will you, will you brush over the Tara thing again? And that, because I, there were some things that stood out. So I think those, those people who weren't here this morning, they can hear the terrorist side of things like James. James is a heathen with the children. And uh, <laughs> if you could brush over that again, and some things that stood out to me this morning. Uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's actually from Genesis chapter 11. And Terah, as you recall, was Abram's father. He had three sons. One of his sons had died. And uh, that was Lot's father. And uh, so somewhere along in that, after the death of his son, Terah gathers up uh, Abram and his wife Sarah and Lot, and he moves out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and they take this pilgrimage. It's interesting, the Bible talks about uh, the pilgrimage is to the land of Canaan. So they had a destination in mind. Uh, the speculation that I kind of brought up this morning was what caused the father, Abram's father, to have this desire to leave the Ur of the Chaldees when we've always thought that that was originated from Abraham. And the thought that I presented, the possibilities were that this was a grieving father, who grieving over the loss of his son, sympathetic to the searching heart of another son of Abram. Uh, we know that at some point prior, Abram had received that word from the Lord to leave uh, the Ur of the Chaldees and to go to a place, God said, that I will show you. So had he expressed that to his father and his father was uh, facilitating that searching of Abram's heart? Or had God spoken this word also to his father? Had had the father prior to Abram, had he received some sense of stirring in his heart about going to this place uh, that God would show him? Mm -hmm. And so he led them off in the process. But what's interesting was that halfway there, they encounter a city who has the same name as the dead son. Oh, man. And so Terah, the Bible says, settled there. And they had a familiar form of worship. They had a temple designed to be a place of worship for the moon. Uh, the moon god in this temple of uh, this city, actually the, the god's name was Sin. What? And so they actually worshipped Sin. It's fascinating. And it connected uh, to a form of the worship of the moon in the Ur of the Chaldees. So the heritage that is from these men are not the, the God that we would attribute to Abraham. See, something changed for him. He, mm -hmm. he got into a completely different relationship with God than was his heritage. And that was the point I was trying strongly to make was that the revelation, the thing he came to know, 
was that his inheritance did not come from his father, but his inheritance was going to come from God the Father. And in that pursuit then, uh, he connects with God out of that revelation. And in Hebrews 11, it tells us that Abraham obeyed. So what he came to know was that there was a God beyond the moon that loved him mm -hmm. and that he, in obedience, then began to follow after him. Okay, so at the risk of sounding ignorant and foolish, I have, <laughs> I have, I have a couple of questions. Okay, here. good. First question What is the Ur of something? Like Chaldees, I'm assuming, is a region. And so the Ur of it, is that like a shape of something? That was a city. Yeah. Okay, so Ur is the name of the city. It's kind of like saying Royston of Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Chaldees is uh, in Mesopotamia. And that is the mass of land between, between the two great rivers, mm -hmm. uh, between the Euphrates and the Tigris River. So it was a very fertile valley area. And Ur is a city along the river. Mm -hmm. And so it was a trading location. Uh, quite probably, um, Terra was a very wealthy man. Uh, a trader with uh, a trader meaning in the exchange market right, right. and uh, this city that they end up in on their way to Cana is along that trading route mm -hmm. so he may have well had connections or relationships of some knowledge of, of that area uh, along that trade route all right and then the the second comment that I, it's not really a question anymore but it's interesting how much the story we're telling with Abram really aligns with Ruth. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Your God will be my God, and I'll go where you go. It's interesting to me because, like you pointed out, Abram didn't have the same heritage as the, the people he ended up with, you know, and both of them on a journey somewhere. Yeah. That's interesting to me. And isn't that interesting, too? It's often how faith happens in our life. You know, it, it's uh, for us a little more figurative, perhaps, that... We have this stirring from God, this revelation, this coming to know, and we have to leave things in order to go places mm -hmm. or to embrace something new means we have to let go of something old. And yet here in this example from Genesis uh, 11, they only made it halfway. And it wasn't until after the father dies that uh, the very next verse, chapter 12, verse 1, brings to bear the idea that the word that God had spoken to Abram was in a past tense sense. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 says, and the word the Lord had spoken. So it's like Ab Abram, still not yet Abraham, Abram reflects upon what God had called him to do. And it's, it's interesting, the, the steps there. Let me just read them, because this is what the Lord had said to Abram. Number one, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Well, he was already out of the country, right. but he wasn't out of his father's house. So where the house had settled uh, in this halfway point called Haran, God was still calling him out of there. He had not yet gone to the place that the Lord would show him. And that's the next phrase, to the land that I will show you. And then comes the promises, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, you will be blessed. Hmm. So the promises come out of the obedience, but the obedience comes out of the revelation. 
And remember our principal progression. My, my faith is going to be dormant until it comes in contact with the revelation. So when I come to know something I haven't known before, it, it's going to uh, ignite in me the ability to believe in something. I need to believe that to be the truth. So I need to be sure that I'm aligning my process of faith with that which is true. And in this case, Abraham did that. He aligned himself with the revelation that his inheritance came from God. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to come through the lineage of his father. And so in that process, his action, his revelatory response was that he obeyed what the Lord told him to do and he got out of his father's house, which was at that point in Haran, and he journeys then to the land of Canaan. That's so interesting how, you know, when you get a word from God, you would immediately apply like a timetable to that. Mm -hmm. and, and so... I, I can't even look at this story without thinking he must have felt for the longest time like he just missed it. You mm. know, settling there and being like, well, you know, this is just what I've chosen to do now. and Or felt like he didn't hear correctly the first time. Oh, yeah. Because right? we can talk ourselves out of that a lot. Right. And start doubting um, everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, reminds me, it reminds me a little bit of Joe's story, you know, leaving here and going to Bethel and how, you know, he, he got... Uh, a distinct word from the Lord while he was at the the fitness park one day, saying, uh, "What is, it was? Go to Bethel and um, something like, and don't no go home and then go to Bethel." And um, and so he waited around for a little bit, trying to. Like, he definitely felt like it was a word from the Lord, but trying to figure out like when to go and um, how long to stay at different places. And then he got got back home and. Um, and then he uh, he got a job offer when he got back home that seemed almost too good to be true uh -huh. uh, from a cousin, a family member, and the the family was really excited to have him back there, especially now that he had he had come to Christ and was you know a completely different person, and they really were almost getting to know the true Joe uh, uh -huh. for the first time in a lot of ways, uh -huh. and um, and so it was really tempting for him to stay there for yeah. the financial security and the family reasons. Um, and he never got another word from the Lord, despite praying a lot about, like, you know, he just had to trust that first word from the Lord. And then he went from there, and, he, and he, his, his truck was giving him a little bit of trouble trying to get out to the West Coast. He had those dogs with him. It, it seemed like one thing after another fell through, and he had a place that he was supposed to stay at once he got out there. And he got out there, and it was had mold and mildew in it, so he couldn't stay at that place. Um, oh, and, and so he was staying out, like, in the National Park out there for... Uh, it was like three or four weeks, even even after he had to register for classes, like the, the week before classes started, he still was having to, um, you know, go stay at the park, and, and uh, two or three other apartments fell through at that time, and so he was beginning to really, really question, Lord, is this your will? Did I hear you right? And then on the other side uh, of things, after he got settled in, got a house and everything, he started seeing the fruition of, of what the Lord had for him there and just how, how much he has exponentially grown in the Lord and the things of God since he's been there. It's just been amazing. I really enjoyed talking to him once a week or so about what's going on out there and how he's changing. And you can just you can just hear the faith level in his voice has so... I mean, it was already changing, but it's just, it's just going up a, another notch. And it's just so cool to see that. But there were so many opportunities where Joe could have said, you know what, that, that was not from the Lord. That was not mm -hmm. from him, you know. Wow. It's interesting, too, because if we have this filter, which so many in our Western church have, that 
if everything's going my way, if I'm being blessed, then I'm in the will of God. Mm. If I'm running into difficulty or adversity, I'm out of the will of God. Mm -hmm. And so I need to somehow make a course correction. That's not biblical at all. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of obedience is an act of faith. Remember Hebrews 11, it was by faith Abraham obeyed. <laughs> Let's don't forget that. It, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, it was a good idea, or he was continuing the journey that his father began. It, that had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. It may have well been the opposite of that. It may be the word that had come to Abram had actually affected his father, and his father took the lead to kind of get him started by getting him out of the Ur of Chaldees, but then paused in the place of reflection with the city named the same thing as his son who had been killed or who had died somehow. The Bible doesn't tell us how he died. How many times have we gone halfway into obedience, you know? Yeah. And it, there's not, don't let condemnation slip in there. It, the whole idea is where are we in what the Lord has said to us? And I just really like how the very first verse of the next chapter picks right up with a rehearsal of what the Lord had already spoken. Mm -hmm. And half of it had been accomplished. And it's like Abram came to realize this word of the Lord is not complete. So suddenly, the things that were comfort in this city, the, the reputation, the commerce, whatever it was that he received from his father uh, in that place, w those things were no longer enticing because he had this faith that God was going to take him to a place that he did not know, and he came to realize that the place that he was was not the right place. Yeah, and it makes me think, how often do we defer to the faith of someone else, right? Abraham had this word, yeah. and yet he was deferring, apparently, to his father's faith one way or another, whatever the father yes. was having faith in, right? Whether that was God or something else, or money, or something else. But uh, how often do we do that? Do we defer to the faith of someone else, thinking like, well, I mean, that's definitely a man of God right there. That person must know... You know, I mean, we, we're so uh, yeah. quick to do that rather than trust what we feel like God has told us and moving in that, you know, so. Yeah. I am, um, <clears throat> for us, for, for me, uh, this has literally all become very clear that I needed to say this in our little conversation here. Susan and I, I got out of the Navy in 2007, knew we had, in early 2008, uh, was given... Uh, a word to come to Emmanuel. Didn't even know what Emmanuel was. <clears throat> Passed a church in the morning, and they always had two different signs on each side of their sign. It always said something different. And uh, anyway, so I'm coming home that afternoon, and on one side, I was like, God, just make it very clear that we need to go to Emmanuel. And on one side of the sign, it said Emmanuel, God with us. And so on the other side, I just happened to glance at my mirror, and it said the same exact thing. And I was like, okay, we need to go to Emmanuel. And so we ended up in, in, in Franklin Springs, Georgia, the blip on the map. And, um, you know, that was 08 we got here. And, and it was clear to me that God was sending us here for, for me to go to Emmanuel and go to SCM. And ended up at Ecclesia and all this and graduated. And, you know, my junior year, I was ready to quit school. You know, uh, that, that November, you know, I was in our bedroom in tears telling Susan, I, got, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm in my mid-20s. Like, I can't keep up with these kids. Like, I just can't do this anymore. And she, you know, she pushed me a little bit harder and said, let's just keep going through where we've met this far. And 
and then get out of school. I graduate, I, I, you know, have a have a great internship in my the spring semester of my senior year, and then um, I graduate, and I'm all these churches are I'm having these interviews with these churches, and this one church is going to accept us, and we pack up our house, and we're getting ready to leave, and the day we're going to leave, we find out that they're they've went a different route, and now we're we're homeless, and um, we don't know where we're going to move, and we ended up staying with some friends and kind of bouncing around, and it just felt like, man, we were getting kicked over and over and over, and I felt like I felt like I was in a in a fight, you know, just I was getting punched and punched and punched, and I couldn't fight back because I didn't know how to fight back. I didn't I didn't know how to make this make sense, and I I remember it was it was it was in the one summer. A couple of years after I graduated, and I just looked at Susan, and I said, I, I think I got this all wrong. I mean, I know we're a long time, many, many years into this, but I think I got this wrong. And um, and uh, that was that was sobering to me because I thought, man, I had really just messed up. I'd pulled my family. I'd gotten out of the Navy for this. I'd pulled my family to a whole new town where we knew no one, and all these crazy things were happening, and... Um, I felt like we were supposed to be here, but then I didn't feel like we were supposed. To, maybe I was doing the wrong thing. We kept trying to leave, and and all these things kept happening, and 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 it was it was standing here last Sunday in the ordination uh, ceremony. I, I told PL about this. Like it was almost like finally, like I finally started getting it. I I, I felt like finally after. You know, was oh eight to nine years of being here, and really ten years of of this calling, this distinct calling. It finally was all coming into place, and and so I, I can really, I feel like I, I I can relate to Abram and and Heron. Like, you know, you felt like you've done the right thing, and then your family settles, and it doesn't feel like the right thing. And I mean, perseverance has just got to be. No time ever could we really have a good example of what perseverance looks like. Mm-hmm. And I also thought about too. You know, we talked about in the live podcast where you're, you're like, "I will." You know, you told a story about your dad's church. And you're like, "Well, I believe my dad because, well, I mean, he's my dad." Right. And I think about Abram. Like, I believe I believe my dad, Tara, because, well, uh-huh. he's my dad. You know what I mean? I, I, that that stood out too. Like he's following his father, but his father's revelation doesn't lead to the same place that it's supposed to lead Abram. Yeah. I think I kind of, I think I kind of struggle with this story a little bit. Um, as, as we're continuing to talk about it, it's just kind of uncovering some stuff in me. And one of the, one of the places that I find myself praying a lot is the idea of contentedness. I, I have come to God many times where I sense like a lack of peace in my heart and I will pray, Lord, make me content, you know, because like Kyle and I were talking earlier about I've started strategizing for my retirement, my exit ramp, whatever, whatever my, you know, older age looks like. And, you know, when you think about what kind of house you want to retire in, what that needs to be, and you start trying to puzzle and put things together. And then, you know, you try to think, oh, well, you know, I want to retire well or whatever. But, you know, here we are describing this progression that Abram's on, and then he stops, you know. And I think the struggle that I find myself in is I would wonder, 
and, and I would battle with myself over, am I hearing a word from the Lord which is bringing me to a place of dis-ease, of lack of comfort here, and am I perceiving that incorrectly and approaching God asking to make me content with the place that I'm at when really he's saying, this is not the place you need to be, you know? So I struggle with this story only because of, of what my prayer life has been, you know, and then trying to decipher what that would even look like if, if this situation were applied onto my life. I don't know how I would be able to tell. <laughs> what do you got, Larry? <laughs> well, uh, well, Abram, <laughs> you're, you're exactly <laughs> describing Hebrews 11, uh, where it describes this, this Abra, uh, here, of course, Abraham. He obeyed when he was called to go out. But what is interesting was um, he went out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance. So there was a future expectation. And then it says, and he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, a lot of times we think if God's in it, then it's A to B, B to C, C to D, and all we, it's, all we have to do is just round the bases and it's going to all work out. If that's the way it is, it certainly hasn't been my experience. Yeah, where is that at? <laughs> where is that at? So here it is in the life of Abram, just like you're describing, James. Uh, because he has a revelation doesn't mean he has a defined, detailed plan right. of exactly every step that he's supposed to take. That's not the God that's described in our Bible. The God that's described in our Bible is the one who brings manna from heaven, but you can only get enough for one day, except on the Sabbath, then you can get it, it'll last for two. You know, he's the God who makes uh, big things happen with little input from us, you know, like the five loaves and the three fishes. He, he, he is a, a God who uh, guides our steps, but doesn't give us the GPS location of where we're headed. But he leads us as we, and I think that's part of that process is the whole idea of the dependency of our relationship with him. Uh, for me, it has always been, I, I used to define it this way. It's a little, the Holy Spirit to me is a little like Casper the ghost. Uh, when I was a kid, that was a cartoon. I know they've made a movie of it in the last few years, but uh, you you could see him, but you couldn't see him. You know, you could see through him, but you could see the definition of him. And to me, that's very much how we discover God's purposes for our life. Sometimes we see it with more clarity than we do with others, but we're we are like Abraham. We don't know exactly where we're going, but we know the God who has called us to go. And so out of faith, remember, I'm, I'm choosing to take the truth and trust it. Uh, and he has proven himself worthy to be trusted, so I can trust him. So out of that faith, I can place my first step and then my second step. I, I think probably the hardest part, and maybe this is just my perspective, and each of us bring that to the table. But I think the hardest part is the first step for me. Because just like in, in this city of Heron, uh, they had settled there. That means they had bought a sofa and a flat screen TV, and they had uh, their satellite dish hooked up, and you know they had their library card and the, the membership at the gym. You know It was all set up. They were settled in. They were set. 
uh, trying to do a little play on the words there. And to cancel all of that and to walk away from all of that, to go somewhere where you don't know, that's faith. And that's what God calls us to, to, to walk not by our sight, meaning I've clearly defined my blueprint for the next decade, and so I'm, I'm doing my plan. No, he's calling us to walk by faith. What is faith? The substance, the very substance of things that I'm hoping for, the very evidence of things that are not yet seen. And so here we find Abraham, just a terrific example of that in, in this first portion of his description in Hebrews 11, is that he's throwing aside that which would be uh, settled around him. You know, uh, having that first yard sale to get rid of all of the junk that he can't take with him. Mm -hmm. uh, getting together with the people that are in the neighborhood and giving stuff away because he's not going to haul it with him. You know, he's, he's lightening his load. He's downsizing. He's becoming mobile. Uh, he's leaving behind what he had been comfortable in. Those are the times that our faith really gives us energy to go to the places that we don't yet know. And I think it's also, let's connect the thought about faith because what, what is that whole idea of revelation? I'm coming to know. It doesn't mean I have to completely understand it for it to be faith. I'm just coming to know it. And so I can begin to believe in it because it, to me, has come from God. And so by believing in that truth, I'm coming to know.